welcome to All Talk Oncology. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. Today we have another phenomenal guest, and this one I am so honored to bring on. You may know her. She is a uh, MTV VJ. She was the host of uh, BET Teen Summit. She was voted from People's Magazine as the 50, top 50 most beautiful people. Yes, she is a recipient of the NAACP Awards. I, I can go on and on. I'm excited. I can, I can just continue on and on. She's intelligent. She's beautiful. But please do not get it confused. She will get her hands dirty. She is a licensed carpenter. Yes. You know, she had her own syndicated uh, talk show host, the Ananda Lewis show. I gave it up. I had, you know, I obviously gave it up with the name uh, compared to Oprah. Come on, stop playing. We have Ananda Lewis on All Talk Oncology. Let's welcome her. Hey. <laughs> How are you? It's so nice to see you. Oh, I'm so good, Ananda. I'm so good. How are you? I'm good. I, you know, I'm up and at it on a Saturday morning. <laughs> right? Getting it done. Yeah. Um, for sure. You know, Ananda, you, you are a busy woman. You've been, you know, in the industry for quite some time and just, just working. Yeah, working my behind off. It's, um, it's funny when you intro me or when you introed me, uh, you said all this stuff and all these memories always come back when I hear, you know, this list of what I've done and I go, gosh, have I done all that stuff? Doesn't even feel like it. I mean, it does when I stop and go, oh yeah, I remember, I remember being there. I remember doing that for yeah. five, six years. I remember doing that for two years. But now in hindsight, it just is like this blur, you know, it's so, it's so weird. I'm, I'm really grateful for all of this um, kind of history I've built for myself. Yeah. And I've never really gotten to tap into it because, you know, it's, gosh, it, while you're in it, you don't even know you're doing it, right? And for me, I was having fun. I was focused. I was a really hard worker and, and my hours were really long. I worked a lot, which is why, you know, I was on TV every day, probably for seven years, literally every day, weekends too, because they would repeat and re-air stuff. And so I spent a lot of time doing that. And then when I left, it was like um, this stillness. It was just like this, you know, warp into this sealed box, you know, self-imposed, okay. But still the silence was like refreshing and also um, very acute. Like it was really quiet. Yeah. And now it's starting to, I'm starting to be able to kind of travel back and hear it all again. You know what I mean? It's maybe a bad way to explain it, but that's how it feels in my head. It was really loud then, it got really quiet. And now it's a, a manageable yes. <laughs> amount of, of noise, but it was a beautiful time too. And I'm super grateful I got to do all of that incredible stuff. Now tell me during that quiet time, was it, was it amazing, you know, to kind of mm. just get reconnected with yourself again? Well, I didn't get to do as much of that. When I left TV, I left to take care of my grandmother. I went back mm -hmm. to San Diego and spent the last two years of her life making sure she had an incredible last two years of her life and was able to experience it exactly the way she wanted to. And that was another full-time job, you know, but it was a labor of love and it was exactly what I chose to do. Like I was a very conscious, you know, effort and, and choice. Um, and so, you know, I don't think I really 
<laughs> when I think about times to just kind of sit and reflect, I don't know that I've had much of that. I think this last kind of two years, you know, with the cancer diagnosis and then kind of figuring that out, I had to get really quiet again. Mm -hmm. And maybe that was a, a better time of reflection um, because being still was important. So I got quiet back then, but I didn't really get still. Gotcha. And it was a quiet in comparison to the noise of my, of my career, right? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't, but my life didn't stop. And I, I wasn't, um, it wasn't like cutting things out necessarily like I did with this journey of the last almost two years. So very different. You know, I mean, life is, it's a wonderful trip. <laughs> you nice. know, it's like, when you flow with it, it's a lot easier and, and more um, beautiful than when you fight it. It's like fighting the ocean. You know, you can't, you go with the waves or get drowned. Yeah. Such a learning experience. And Definitely. so, and so when you talk about your grandma, here you were taking care of her and, and then, and then, then you transitioning into you, you being diagnosed with, with cancer. Yeah, quite a few years in between there, but yes, that was the next kind of big thing. Having my son was the next big thing. And yeah. then, yeah, it was kind of milestones, but go ahead. <laughs> Mother, now motherhood, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother venture too, huh? <laughs> it was, you know, I have six God kids who have always felt like mine, even though I didn't birth them. And I've known them all since they were, I mean, born, like, one of them I met day after she was born, I was supposed to be there for the birth and couldn't get a plane in in time. So um, I have felt like a mother, right? But very different still from actually birthing a child, being responsible for that child every moment of their life. Um, even though it's great preparation, it, it, it was a complete trip when I, when I did the physical birthing motherhood version, right? And yeah. Um, it has been such a joy and such a challenge and like filled my heart and broken my heart. Like it's all these things in one. It's this crazy roller coaster ride where there's highs and lows and there's and there's and, you know, uh, self-assessment, which I think is really healthy to do at every stage of where you're at in life. Um, mm. But it forces you to do that because now someone's life is depending on you being mm. your best. And it's been so fulfilling and so dope like it's a dope experience it's like seeing yourself out in the world outside of your body running around doing stuff you know and so some of that means you you take I take things personally like I get over I overreact sometimes or I used to anyhow I, I got to look at this and figure it out stop doing it but I used to overreact because I'm like it's such a reflection of me. Like what he's doing is a reflection of me. Like stop doing that. You know? <laughs> but it's not he's his own person. It's such a trip to be able to get all these different uh, perspectives mm. on it, you know, and on life and on everything and then proceed with that new information. Because I think that's really the best, uh, rep I don't know, the best way to live, really, if I can say it like that, to be present to your experiences, be able to kind of self-evaluate mm -hmm. at times when you're able to, because it's not easy, but be the non-emotional observer and then take your own assessment, improve, and move forward with the improved version of yourself, right? And I think that's why it's important to remember you're always re-meeting people because we're always evolving, we're always changing, we're always growing. You know, if we're if we're paying attention, if we're doing the work, and many of us are, yeah. I think that's why cancel culture is so unfortunate. It's like you're removing a natural order of the way things are. Evolution is a natural order, right? And and even as a person in the same life, you will evolve. Mm 
mm-hmm. and you'll get better. Hopefully, you might get worse. I mean, <laughs> you might not get better, but you will change. There's sure. the bottom line. For sure. And and the cancel culture doesn't allow people to have that growth and, and experience themselves and then say, you know what? I was wrong. Let me show you that I've learned and let me move on. And nobody has to show you nothing. This isn't about you. People's life is about them. It's yeah. not about proving anything to the rest of us. You know what I mean? Because they're going to suffer the consequences of where they are in their lives and their actions. Consequences just being outcomes, right? Because there's good and bad consequences. That They're going to have to deal with that. Some people call it karma. I think that's a good word for it. Makes sense to me. <laughs> but I, like, it's not even about you. Yeah. So to me, when you punish other people, you're still only punishing yourself because now you're putting an action out into the world in the energetic field that we live in. That's going to come back to you. So now you get to be judged later so you can experience like it's all just just stop. <laughs> Leave people alone is my thing. Like either support people and encourage them and send them love and do the things we can do energetically for each other that are positive or leave people alone. Yes. Let them have their own experience. You know, they say, you know, it's more happiness in giving than receiving, you know, and, and it, because yeah. at the end of the day, you said it's really not about you, you know, it is. and and what better way can you do to, to help other people along their along their life journeys? Yeah. You know, and that comes of, back to you, too. And it's, it's even a, if you're being selfish, everything comes back to you. So do good. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Do good. Like, do good. <laughs> it's all going to come back to you. You know. Here at All Talk Oncology, that's our whole goal is to, you know, empower cancer patients uh, through insightful conversations. And so, you know, we, we came out, we found out that you had been diagnosed with cancer and, you know, that's a horrific disease and just being, just being hit with that. You know, maybe could you walk us through a little bit from that, like the, the time when you found out, you know, going to the, going to the doctor or what it was that gave you that, oh my goodness, got you got that news yeah um I can but you know for me um the actual news from my doctor which is actually the first episode of my private content that's on my app um which is part of the reason I even created an app because I wanted a private place to share such a private experience and such a intimate experience um and I show I I videotaped what my doctor told me it was on the phone Mm. um but I don't, I didn't have the experience of, of being um, fearful and, and shocked in that way. And maybe it was because it was over the phone. I can, I can imagine that in person, you know, the energy of the doctor would, would be something that you'd be impacted by too. So maybe if they were like, oh no, then you would have the same reaction. But I got to kind of really give myself a bubble to be in when I learned it because I was in my car on the phone. Mm. That said, I had already experienced uh, my mom's journey through breast cancer probably 15 years ago now and and so at that time going through it with her I really did a lot of as much as possible then you know research on what she could do differently I've always been a naturalist I really believe in the power of the human body to heal itself when given the right uh fundamental tools and essential you know elements to do that um and I know something as big as cancer can seem scary and overwhelming and all that. For me, big, scary things need to be broken down into smaller parts Mm -hmm. because I'm not afraid of the little parts. The big picture might be scary. The big picture of going to college was scary. But when I broke it down class by class, it got easier, right? Um, So not an analogy that deals with your life (laughs) or death, but still 
anything in life that seems overwhelming and big can be broken down into smaller pieces. And so for me, the big picture of the big C word, I had to break down. I was like, well, let me just look at what I'm dealing with. What I'm dealing with was a tumor in my right breast that had gotten to a certain size by the time I found it. I found it myself by doing a self-exam, which I absolutely recommend women do. Every month we should be in the shower examining ourselves yes. and at least getting um, an idea of what normal feels like or what a starting point feels like mm -hmm. so that you know if there's a change. That's incredibly important uh, because especially now in a pandemic, even doctor's appointments are harder to get to. And even you know anything, mammograms are harder to get out and do. I just heard Oprah talking about how she delayed her mammogram for three months because of the pandemic. Um, and she wasn't getting out of the house like all of us. And so things happen and we have to be able to take advantage of the, the things that we can do for ourselves to make sure we know what's going on. So self-exam is one of them and that's how I found my tumor. The next thing I did was went and got a thermography, uh, thermography scan because I still didn't want to get a mammogram. And the reason I shared my experience was like I was saying before to let women know getting mammograms is incredibly important. I did not take advantage of that really amazing tool of, of a diagnosis um, so that you can have a, a chance to catch things early, right? Early diagnosis is really important. Early detection is really important. Um, but because I didn't do it, I knew it was important to tell other women, hey, don't make my mistake. <laughs> like I was being stubborn and a little silly, <laughs> so don't do that. <laughs> it will not prevent you from getting breast cancer, right? Obviously, but it will let you know what's going on in your body earlier. And the earlier you find out, the more your options are in terms of what you can do and how effective it will be. And that is vital to saving your life. I went and got a thermography scan because I still didn't want to expose myself to the radiation, which is the reason I avoided mammograms all those years, right? I didn't want the radiation to cause me to have breast cancer. I thought that's what happened to my mom. She did her mammograms the way she was supposed to religiously, consistently for 30 years, and she still ended up with cancer. And my mistake was having this, this bridging in my mind between the x-ray exposure and radiation exposure in mammograms, bridging that to her getting cancer, right? Because I made that connection in my mind, I was like, cool. Well then if I avoid that, <laughs> then I avoid that. Yeah. Didn't quite work out like that, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, so I got the thermography scan that absolutely showed. So, you know, thermography and, and for your, your viewers is a, a basically a heat seeking camera, right? It registers heat in your body. It, it, shows you a beautiful map of color of your body. When you see red, it's hotter. Cancer cells tend to register as hotter because they're multiplying more quickly. And so there's more heat, more energy coming off of them is my understanding. And so it, it, it can um, find that. So it did, there was this huge red circle, you know, basically radiating red on my breast. And I was like, oh, okay. So what I feel is actually real and mm. a problem. The next thing I did was went to a breast doctor, a breast center. Uh, and saw a, a doctor there who I believe was a surgeon and um, breast specialist, you know, okay. she, who you would go to to figure out what was going on. And they did a biopsy on me, um, which I'm still on the fence about having done because my body had walled off this, these bad cells in a tumor, kind of a smart thing for a body to do, for getting sure. it away from the rest of you. And then I popped it or allowed mm -hmm. it to be popped. And mm -hmm. I did... I did see um, a difference in it after that. And I, you know, I mean, it was 
an injury, basically. I got stuck with a huge needle a number of times. And so that's an injury to my body. So maybe what I saw was also swelling in reaction to the injury, but I know it was worse after that. Mm. Um, and, and yet, you know, again, risk versus reward. How do you find out what it is? Sure. There are certain ways we have to do things and maybe our technology can, can you know, be improved and the way that medicine happens can be improved. All these things are evolving like, like we are as individuals. And so it will be better in the future. But right now we have mammography. Right now we have biopsy, needle biopsy is what I had. So that's what I, that's what I did. And then I got those results from that doctor uh, like four days later. Okay. Now we're talking about what's staging. So talk about, you know, what, how, that, how that news went. I think the actual conversation I had with her that night, she wasn't able to tell me staging because there's the initial, let's just look at the cells and see what it is. And then there's deeper testing they do to those cells, I believe. And then that will tell you like where things are. And it also depends on how much of your body is involved. So if you have spread to organs, my understanding is that means it's a stage four. So it's gone further along and is now to a point where other things are involved. So for me, A few weeks later, I believe, uh, maybe a week later, maybe it wasn't a few weeks, uh, I got the staging uh, results back and mine was a stage three because there was lymph involvement. I think that was after the, the, um, the other, it wasn't a PET scan. What's the other scan they do? Um, not a CT scan, but a, an M. It starts with an M. Uh, an MRI? Anyway. An MRI, thank you. So they did an MRI and then that's where they were able to see um, that it was also in my lymph on the right side. Gotcha. So stage three. Yeah. But you know, for me, I don't mean to minimize it, but for me, I hate when people do that. I don't mean to insult you, but (laughs) that way, (laughs) but I don't mean to minimize it. And I also believe that state, you know, everything is relative. For me, the minute she told me that news, I believe it was the night of like January 13th. You remember these dates, it's so yeah. crazy. January yeah. 13th, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, that night was the end of me eating messy and accepting stress in my life that was unwarranted, right? And, and all these different factors, when you look up, what are the causes of cancer? And nobody can really tell you exactly what, but they can give you a list of what it might be. And I could check off. It was like five of the seven things. I go, yep, 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 <laughs> yep. All what I was experiencing. And so, you know, for me, what changed immediately was how I protected myself and how I treated myself and what I fed myself. Because I believe that food has so much to do with everything from cancer to stress to everything, pregnancy, having a great pregnancy, like certain things we look at and say, oh yeah, certainly what you eat matters when you're growing a baby, it, yeah. it matters, right? Oh yeah, certainly what you eat matters when you have diabetes. And then we stop and go, oh, but what you eat doesn't matter when you have cancer. I had doctors say that to me. Well, what you eat has nothing to do with it. Mm. For me, that's insane because yeah. that's like saying, oh cool, I can just put diesel fuel in my unleaded tank then, nothing will happen. Yeah. It, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> things are made a certain way and they're made to run on certain fuel. And in the animal kingdom, we don't see animals eating the wrong things because they have instincts that prevent them from doing that. Their body just says, no, I can't eat that. You know, we don't have that. We're so smart that we can force ourselves <laughs> to do dumb stuff. And I've been doing that. So yeah. well, you're not alone. Things that needed to change, you know? Yeah. You're not alone in that. I mean, uh, oh, I know. the majority of the world, they, we're not eating right. Right. And uh, we had we had Dr. Ash on the show and that's what he talked about, you know, nutrition, 
um, how important that is for the body and how we fuel it. And, oh, it's so key. And he says, he said, you know, cancer, he says that sugar doesn't cause cancer. No. Right? But it feeds it. Yeah. Right. It's nice to hear your resilience, though, Ananda. That's that's what I'm listening to. You you went right away and you bounced right back to go, boom, I'm just gonna change my diet. I'm gonna, you know, what how did you get it? How did you get that? Where did that come from? I feel like everything comes from my grandma. <laughs> I came in with a lot myself too, right? I'm my own person, but um the woman who really predominantly poured, I let me back up because I never give my mother enough credit. My mother was an amazing mom. She absolutely did everything she could. And as a single mom, she needed help. Yeah. It's like I do as a single mom now. And the help she got was from my grandmother. My grandmother allowed us back in her home when my mom and dad divorced. She let us, you know, she let my mom bring two kids back into her home after she had retired, closed her, you know, stopped her business, changed her properties, was too, she was retired. She was done raising her kids. And she was like, absolutely, because that's what family does. That's what mothers do. Yeah. And that's what she did for her baby, who was my mom. So I don't want to minimize my, my mom's um, uh, role and value in my life. And I, I feel like over the years I've done that because my mom and I have honestly had quite a, a rocky relationship. And mm. there have been times where I'm like, you ain't do nothing. <laughs> you know? was, oh, my God. But the truth is that we're not for my mom being smart and intuitive and, and wanting the best for all three of us, herself included, she never would have gone to San Diego. She would have continued to, you know, just kind of roam and try to figure it out. And my life would have been totally different. And so I credit my mom with knowing uh, when and how to reach out for help, because yeah. that's a, that's, that's a huge skill. Right. Yeah. And, and it's an intuition that she had that then led to my grandmother's house and my grandmother met us with open arms. And so I was raised by a village of really strong women yes. who even in times where life was knocking them down, were getting back up and figuring it out. And I think that all of them, and I would include my aunt in this too, my mom's sister, because she was this pivotal, like strong force in my life in other ways, um, just seeing these incredible women constantly stepping up for me and my sister constantly doing what they needed to do. My mom worked like three jobs at one point in my life. Yes, during that time, I barely saw her. A lot of my resentment and some of our dynamic of our relationship going wrong was also as a result of that. But listen, you got to do what you got to do. And we'll figure that out later. Right now, I need to keep this roof over our head. And as an adult now, I understand that. As a child, I was just a little punk, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah, it's like crazy. I look back and go, oh my gosh, I made it so hard for her. But so I want to credit my, my mother as well. My, my grandmother really was the person who on a daily basis, while my mom had to be out, you know, figuring out her stuff and, and support, um, was, was educating me in, in not so formal ways. She didn't sit me down and say, here's how things are. But I observed her doing what she did. And she always bounced back. There was nothing that would happen to her life where I didn't see her find a way to get over it, through it, or around it, or dig under it. You know what I'm saying? Like, here's a mountain. I got, I, I can do something. I never saw her be at a loss of her belief in her ability to do something. Now, she was a, a really, um, I don't call her religious, but she was very spiritual. She had a, a strong, solid foundation of belief um, uh, in God yeah. and was constantly like, Father, you know, like she would say that out loud, you know, mm -hmm. her prayers were were um, 
present time spoken into the present world prayer. She didn't go somewhere and, and you know, get into a certain position and have to have to have all these parameters to feel like it was working. She just said it. She was like, Father, step in for me right here. <laughs> like, you know, she was like commanding the space with her, with her prayer. So I learned that from her too. And I, I still do that. Like things will happen and I just speak out mm. and, put, you know, I speak out into things. And yes. so I learned that from her, but I also learned there's always something you can do. Yeah. You don't, I mean, yes, there's people that can help you. You should accept help, but don't minimize your role in this. And so for me, when something's going on in my body, I'm the first line of defense, of action, of yeah. all of that. Even when I listen to the doctors, which, you know, honestly for me hasn't been that often, but I'm, I'm working on that. <laughs> I did not listen to them early on. Um, but even then, you still have to do the work. They can prescribe you pills. Who has to go home and take them? They can give you things to do. Who has to do them? When they're talking about like something general that we can all kind of relate to, like weight loss, right? We've all kind of, I think, dealt with different times in our lives where maybe you had a baby, now you want to lose weight, or you got whatever, the freshman 15 in college, like, okay. Or you just ate too many donuts, right? But everybody <laughs> has dealt with this dynamic of, I want to change my body, right? I want to change my body looks. That's Who right. has to do the workout? Yeah. You, you can get the best trainer you want. They cannot get in there and do the work for you. And the fundamental principle of, of being the, being in this machine of a body, right? Because I am not my body. My body is mine, but I am not my body. I am the spirit that animates the body and I am the control, uh, you know, the, the, the captain of this ship, if Absolutely. you will. And so, because that's my perspective, when I got the news, when I was, you know, told that oh here's something you're gonna have to deal with there was no like oh my god what am i gonna do there was oh i have been tripping let me get this all the way together and do what i need to do yeah. it was very proactive because that's what i saw being the reaction from you know my grandmother and the other women in my life when challenges come up they're like okay so what are we about to do mm. and so that's what i did i was like what am i about to do and the night she told me i had already gone and bought um a 30 day detox um, system that I knew I was going to do, even without knowing what, you know, the actual outcome was, because when they did the biopsy, they were humming and hum and looking all funny. I knew something was wrong. I was like, oh, y'all not even going to be like trying to cover. Right. Going, oh, wow. You know, so I was like something and my mom had dealt with it and other people in my family. So for me, it wasn't like out of the blue. Oh my gosh, what's going on? It was like, all right, let me prepare myself because I feel like I'm about to really have to undertake something massive. Mm -hmm. And I was right. You know, it was um, a, a massive alteration. One of my best friends who also dealt with breast cancer has always said to me, cancer is an invitation to change. Mm -hmm. All disease really is an invitation to change because a process has been going on in your body, whether it's the toxins you're exposed to in the air, the toxins you're taking in in your food, the bad nutrition because of how you're eating, right? Your body needs a certain type of fuel. It needs all these 102 essential vitamins and minerals. It needs these basic things, right? And if you're not giving it the basics, it can't do its basics. And it's intelligent enough to start trying to get above and around and around it, but there are compromises your body makes to deal with bad nutrition and all the different things sure. that then down the line, you're going to have to deal with. There are consequences for that, right? So I felt like this tumor had been developing six, seven, eight, maybe years, right? By the time it got to the size it was when I found it, yeah. it had been growing. That means all those years it was going up. All those years I had cancer. Yeah. I just didn't know it. Yeah. And I, I don't usually say it like that. It's interesting. I just did. I said, I have cancer. I never say it like that because 
I don't feel like I have cancer. Again, I am not my body. My body is dealing with something that is called cancer by our medical community. What is it really? It is millions maybe at this point of cells that have decided to not do what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to die. They're supposed to do their job. They live their life. They go away. Right? <laughs> These particular ones have been so fancy and cute. They were like, you know, I think I'm not going to do that. I think I'm going to stick around. And I'm going to tell all these ones to stick around too. And they started getting friends and, you know, reaching out and having peer pressure take over. And so now we have this thing. But when you break down what that is, I, love your I go, how do I make them die? <laughs> right? To For me, sure. it becomes very simple. Again, big picture, take the small parts and you won't be overwhelmed by it. It was like, okay. What is the thing that I'm doing that's causing this version? Okay, now what, and, and how am I suppressing my immune system? Okay, I know my immune system is what's supposed to be eating up these cancer cells before right. it even gets this far. Right. So what's going on with my immune system? What, all these different things I could look at. I felt like I had so much I could do. What am I worried about? Hmm. Worry is about something in the future that maybe you feel like you can't control or, or whatever. But I knew I had control over at least what I had control over. Sure. And when I focused on doing that, everything else kind of, you know, became easier to deal with. Sure. Your resilience was boom, you automatically changed your diet you, and you made the adjustments. Yeah. And then what I picked up on is you talked about how your mother was smart, smart enough to build a community around her for support, you know, and yes. she was in a position how did how did how did you grow your support once now you've been diagnosed right because now everyone needs a team okay relative but yeah <laughs> yeah and it doesn't need you to see be the mixed. importance of the team now but at the time mm. in my mind if you know what to tell people to do so for me a team in terms of um the best team that i can like make progress with take action with right that's or a support or support or, yeah i yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's funny for me because i've always been such a a kind of solo i i can i do very well on my own and i know a lot of people don't but yeah. i am one of those people for whatever reason being left alone as a child having to figure out how i don't know for whatever reason i do very well on my own and i do not so well when I have to focus and worry about other people. Sure. So for me, if I'm focused and it's just something that has to do with me, which in this case, I know it affects other people because the people that love me are concerned and all that. But when we're talking about what my body's doing, it's just my body doing it. And so what that part of it is just me, right? I'm the only one that can affect that the way that I'm affecting it. I get really thrown off by having to involve too many people in that mm -hmm. process because now, how much time do I have to spend updating them on what's going on? With that time, I could be doing this. Like I look at things very um, specifically, like this 30 minutes, I'm on the phone. I need to be in my sauna, detoxing, sweating and stuff out. So because there were so many actions I needed to take on a daily basis from sure. juicing to um, cooking, whatever little bit of food I was eating in the beginning, I did a lot of fasting. So mainly it was juicing and blending um, to, I did vitamin C's and hyperbarics, like all these different things I was doing. There wasn't a whole lot of time for me to manage a team. Okay. And I found early on that the way I was choosing to handle it, which in the beginning was completely uh, alternative and holistic based was not so well received by the people who, you know, loved me the most. And it was scary for them. And so mm -hmm. it felt like I was subjecting them to more fear and stress than necessary. Cause I'm going to do what I want to do, regardless of how you feel about it. Absolutely. And that may create more conflict. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't need more conflict. I don't need more stress. I don't need more anything that I that got me into this position. Mm-hmm. I need to be uh, given my space to do what it is I need to do. And when you're really focused on something, most people will find that there's not a lot of room to look up and around. That's a lot of energy you need to be focused, right? So I I only told four people okay. in the first kind of two weeks. And those were people that literally were right there. My mother had been visiting uh, from out of town. She was literally there when I got the diagnosis, like at the house, even though I was in my car. When I got back to the house, there were these four people that were in the home I was living in at the time. And I had to tell them because they were right there. And my reaction wasn't, they didn't see me tripping or anything, but they saw me washing vegetables and juicing 64 ounces. And they were like, what is going on? (laughs) So I had to say something. Um, But I said it in a way that was how I felt. I was like, listen, this is what, this is the position my body is in because of things that I've done, at least partially. And I'm going to get it out of this position because of things that I'm going to do. And I would love for you to be able to support me through that, but I'm going to do it whether or not you do. And so th- now the ball is back in your court. What's your for choice? Sure. <laughs> you know? sure. Like, I'm going to do what I got to do. So <laughs> regardless. So I really didn't have that big of a support system in the beginning. I feel like, you know, October of last year, when I told the world, I guess, really um, what was going on, a lot of people in my family also found out right around that time. Some of the people I felt like I really wanted to tell in person, um, which if you talk about cancer a lot, I'm sure you have people listening that have had this experience. Once you tell one, two, three, four people, like that's enough. Mm-hmm. I don't want to keep having the same conversation with now, what, 50 people, 1,000 people, 200,000 people. I got to have one-on-one. No, no, no. So even (laughs) in my circle of people, which may have been, you know, maybe 100 people I would have wanted to have the conversation with face-to-face, I wasn't going to do that to myself. I wasn't. I wasn't going to do it to myself, and I wasn't going to do it to them. But I also didn't want them, huh? It's exhausting, right? It's stressful and everybody has a different reaction. Sure. So now I got to deal with all of these different reactions. It's too much. It's It's too much. It's a side tilt. Oh, yeah. oh, you got cancer. You know. Oh, and then the, oh, I'm so sorry. Don't be sorry. <laughs> be sorry for me for the 14 years I was a cigarette smoker. Mm. Be sorry for me for the 10 years that my diet was wildly out of control and mm. I was eating donuts and pizza and burgers and craziness and fries. And be sorry for me the years that I let myself spend, you know, sad and depressed and mistreated and unhappy in relationships. Like, feel sorry for me for things that, um, you know, I can't do anything about anymore. Don't feel sorry for me for a present time situation that I have power to change. Yeah. Support me in changing it. Because sorry is, is, sorry is a sad and low emotion. And when you're talking about healing, you need to talk about the highest vibrations, the highest frequencies, the highest emotions, right? That we can summon as human beings. Those are the ones where healing happens. And so that's what I needed. And it just didn't make sense to subject the people I love to, to one, me not being able to tell them, here's what's going on and here's what I'm doing about it that matters and makes sense to you. Cause what I was doing didn't make sense to them. So that's even more scary. Like, oh my gosh, you just got a stage three breast cancer diagnosis and you're going to hyperbarics? Like what are you doing? <laughs> so it didn't make sense. So what I did, long story short, you can see I go all over, but this is why I had a career in talking, Kenny. Can you get it now? You get it now? I love it. <laughs> so what I did was sent them a personal video mm. before I put the video out to on my Instagram so that I did have kind of a happy medium where I didn't have to exhaust myself 
going through the, you know, the phone call and hearing them and the energy and the scared. And the fear. I didn't have to deal with all that, but they also didn't feel like I circumvented them um, and told the world before I told them. So for me, that was the right way to do it as a person who does, or, you know, has done TV for so long and is comfortable with video. I felt like this is the easiest way to do it. Let me just tell them and then I can move on and, and um, share with women the way I wanted to. So but I, I started doing a detox immediately the night after the doctor told me. So yeah, I jumped right on it. Absolutely. You know, so Nanda, you, here you go. You, you've gone through this process. You, you, you have at least four supporters right off the bat, right? That, well, great. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. In, in any way you want to say support, right? Whether it just be right. an, ear, an ear to listen to, right? I mean, right. you know, right off the bat, what took place that you say, you know what? Nutrition is what you started with right away. Yeah. We are all in a position to make, de make decisions. What made you make a decision to go, well, I'm going to go Eastern or Western, you know, cause I've been in this industry now for 20 years. Right. And, and you know, oh, wow. people come in and I deal with radiation, right. I, I was a radiation therapist. So you mm. talk about a mammogram, you know, where you're, you're dealing with kilovolts, you know, I was administering, megavolts so which is a thousand times stronger right so wow. you're using radiation to actually kill these cells that mm -hmm. go hey let's can't let's hang out let's all hang out here and not not move Let, you know and inviting as you your analogy which i loved by the way right and so as a radiation therapist you've seen i've seen it all yeah so now what made you decide I'm going to go this way with my treatments versus that way with my treatments my philosophy in my body is do the least harm and offer the most support. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of my life philosophy actually, but <laughs> it applies to my body too. Because I believe my body can heal because I've seen it happen. I mean, from little things like you cut your finger that heals. You don't know how it's healing. You don't know the everything going on, but you know, you're what you can watch it day to day and watch it get better. Your body is a self-healing machine. I knew that I had put things in my body that were bad for it that could potentially block its healing. And I knew that I, you know, put things in, I mean, all kinds of ways, environmentally, the stuff you can control less, the food you can control the most, the emotional you can control at least some. Um, and like the, the, the other stuff, which I include in the chemicals, the kind of makeup I was using, the deodorant, all those things that impact your body. We forget our skin is our biggest organ, right? And it gets everything it gets in, it just sucks it into osmosis. So if it's going on your skin, you better be able to eat it, right? Because you're eating it. Yeah. It's just not going through your digestive system. Your body is eating it. Everything in it, your body is absorbing. So I had to do a lot of research, figure out uh, what was going on in my body, what I felt like was going on in my body anyhow. But the reason I chose the alternative kind of uh, natural uh, route was because that's in line with what my body already understands. Got and it. I knew I wasn't going to go right into full chemo or radiation. I knew I wasn't going to do surgery immediately. I gave myself a stop full stop let me figure it out and that was only because of the the rate of growth um that those particular cells in the tumor that my body was dealing with i had time to figure out what i wanted to do and so i encourage everybody to be very clear about what's going on in their body so they can make good decisions for themselves right someone else's cancer may be quickly spreading you may need to do something immediate and you may need to just go right with what your doctor says i'm not minimizing or dismissing what doctors have to say. I just felt like for me, I have to live with whatever my choice is. And with all the information the doctors gave me, I didn't feel like I was 
immediately threatened by this tumor. Now, yes, could I let it go on and it could spread to an organ and now it's an immediate threat? Absolutely. But that's not where I was right at that moment. Sure. It had gone to my lymph and I felt like I could stop it from going any further okay. and then figure out how to push it back. So the way that I chose to do that was the way that was most in line with what my body uh, was supposed to be doing anyhow. I decided to get the things out of the way that were in the way, the things that I was doing that I controlled right. and to put things in my body that could help support it to do what it's supposed to do, to activate my immune system, to stimulate all the great things in our body that will eat up cancer. Like all those things were my first line of defense, right? And, and that's where I started. So the reason was because I just fully believe that your body will turn itself around if you help it yeah. and give it an opportunity to. That's just awesome. It's awesome, you know, to hear, hear your journey and how and how your mindset works and what led you up until this point. So here we are. That you said that was 2 years ago. That whole diagnosis and whatnot. You said January 13, 2000. Yeah. yeah. Wow, 2 years. Yeah. Yeah, like um, 2019. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how do you how do you monitor that progress on how how you're doing? And how that cancer is going on in your body because you know typically people go and they get checked out these are the tests they give you okay yeah. right so how does ananda find out what's going on with her a lot of radiation <laughs> that i was trying to avoid in the beginning you see how this works when you don't do the little bit you need to do early on you got to do a whole lot more later so yeah. i had avoided mammograms that whole time pet scans are what like 60 times the amount of radiation is a mammogram i've been told mm -hmm. something like that mm -hmm. And so I've had uh, one, two, three PET scans so far, and I'm due for a fourth. Uh, I'm just trying to space it out, give my body a chance to recover. And that's really how you overall check what metabolic activity. You know, they do that. The reason I know for sure that sugar is cancer's favorite food, like you said, doesn't start it, but it feeds it, yes. is because that's what they use to find it in a PET scan. They that's radiate smart. sugar, send it through your body, and the cancer cells suck it up because they're greedy. They take, they feed themselves first. <laughs> little greedy little bastards and they suck it all up <laughs> and then it lights up on a pet scan so it's like okay well then you know they like sugar and i'll just i'm going to tangent and i might ask you for the question again but i want to say this while i'm right here when my mother was doing chemotherapy because she took the conventional route when i was sitting in her her chemo sessions with her they would come around with this tray of um, granola bars they would offer her grape juice uh they had high high sugar content snacks and for me doing the research I did even for her then, sugar feeds cancer. It is clear. It's not the only thing that can feed cancer, but it feeds, it is cancer's favorite food. Yes. And that's what they were giving her. And so I'm watching her port, I guess was up here. I'm watching, I was gonna say they were getting it through her arm, but they didn't, she had a port, just like I do, this is my port star. <laughs> they put her chemo in that port yep. and in her mouth, they're putting sugar. Mm. And it was the craziest, mm thing. I was like feeling like I'm in some parallel universe where facts are not facts, you know? Mm -hmm. And I said to myself at that time, this industry that says they're treating cancer doesn't know, or they don't believe or care about this one very simple truth. Mm -hmm. And it did reduce my faith in that particular system a bit, but also it reminded me that how people are educated matters. Most doctors are not given nutritional classes or classes on nutrition. Um, almost all of them that I know, I have lots of doctors in my family, they did not take, they took two nutrition classes. <laughs> but 
that's the fundamental uh, fuel for our body. How do you not, if this person is the person who is supposed to heal and treat this body, you have to learn how the body fundamentally works then. But that isn't what they learn. And it doesn't negate what they know. It means that they're coming at it from a different position, right? And when I'm looking at something, I want to know all the positions I can know. Yes. Because then that gives me the opportunity to understand how I want to uh, uh, attack it better. But if you're only showing me one version, that's not enough. Now, I can trust you to know that version very well. But if I'm going to come at it from over there, then you can't help me. And so... I look at doctors as incredibly uh, intelligent and well-educated people on what they're educated on. Sure. But I would never look to them for the person to advise me what to eat because that's not what they do. And if I think that what I eat matters with cancer, I need to ask a nutritionist. I need to do research based on you know that fundamental idea for myself. Supplementation matters, nutrition matters. And all of that to me comes before I get to a place where now I'm going to start to do uh, the bigger things, like the more destructive things that will cause even more damage potentially as they help, right? With yeah. chemo specifically. Yeah. Um, I want to know that I've done everything I can to build my body up to a place uh, where it can, if I did want to do those things, survive that, right? But also it can do its best job at what it's supposed to do. And then once I know I've done that, it's like stair steps for me. Let me first, let me not skip three steps and go right to this. Let me go, oh, basic, basic, basic. Now where we are. So you're asking me about the figuring out where I am. And the doctors have been very important for me in being able to keep track of uh, in the beginning before I, I did 16 weeks of really specialized treatment in Arizona. So this, what I'm referring to now is prior to that. Um, prior to Arizona, I had uh, a breast surgeon doctor who was giving me ultrasounds every month. And so I would be able to kind of monitor the growth of the tumor is how much bigger is it? I'm a smaller. And that helped me understand the things that I was doing, what kind of impact they were having on an alternative level. So the best progress, and I shouldn't say progress, the, the, the best amount of impact that I saw with keeping the tumor where it was, was when I was completely um, raw vegan and fasting every two days every three days. Um, and when I was doing vitamin C IVs along with hyperbarics, the, the rate of growth almost stalled completely out during that time. Wow. Uh, and when I stopped doing that, cause I was doing, I was, I was, I was good. You know, I'm on it. I, had books. I, wish I, could say my books. I wrote every single thing down that I had to do when I, the first detox plan, this one just happened to be right here. Cause I was shooting it. The first detox plan I did that first 28 days, my, my charts, I kept a whole notebook full of charts. I wrote down every single thing I needed to do. This literally was my, you know, Bible for that detox. So every day I would go in here, write it down. I was doing a lot of my research. I um, would put things in here that I wanted to remember. I'd had affirmations in there. So for me, it was really important to stay organized and know exactly what I'm doing. How important is that, you know, and that, and that, that's, that's for the, for the listeners, right? I mean, here you took control of your treatments. You, you, you have a detox program, uh, what you're going to eat, what you're going to put into your body, words of affirmation to keep you going, you know, yeah. you know, those little things that you were doing <laughs> are, they are. And that's what I hope I was hoping to extract from you and, and make sure that people hear those things because, you know, not everyone has the resilience of Ananda Lewis, 
you know. They do though. They you know, do though, Kenny. But they, they do have, though. But it's it, just buried underneath some exactly, other stuff that they need to get rid of. Everybody exactly. has the resilience. You know why? Because as human beings, we're programmed to survive. But no, but not not everyone knows how to. It's not developed. Can I say okay, that? I okay. That. So we all have that, but some of us don't have it developed. Each of us have different qualities that are developed, and some of us need help with those qualities. Yeah. And so when I heard you right away, I said, man, you know, Ananda, your resilience is amazing. And so I wanted people to hear that because some people do not know what to do. They get stuck. I mm. had, I had Merrill Hodge on the show. Uh, he's mm. a football player, NFL. He's broken. He says, I broke toes. I broken fingers, you know, but then he got diagnosed with cancer and then he was on the couch for the week. And if you listen mm. to that show, he, he was, he was, he was hit. So it wasn't until later, his resilience, he did bounce back, obviously. Mm -hmm. But this mm -hmm. is what this is about, empowering. So when you brought out that book, you, and you wrote things down, and you talk about the words and things that you've done, amazing. This is what this is what the listeners need to hear. Mm. Okay, well, then uh, I'll tell you, <laughs> uh, <laughs> writing things down for me, makes it easier, because mm. then I don't have to remember it. There's so much going on to think of. I mean, I'm a single mom. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm running like my own business. I have to figure out my, my livelihood, right? Um, I've worked, I work for other companies. Like I just finished shooting this show for TLC. Like there's a lot going on. I hold a household down. If I wasn't writing things down, I would lose my mind. And when this whole thing first happened, I was, you know, as much research as I was doing, I had to keep track of it all. There's no way my mind's going to keep track of that. Right. There's no way. And then the stress coming in from having to tell the few people I told and hearing what they had to say. And I mean, there were some, some pretty awful things said to me by people in my life out of love, right? Mm -hmm. They, out of love, were mm -hmm. saying, well, you shouldn't do that. You're, you'll be dead in three years. Since the doctor said, yeah. well, you have about three years if you don't do anything. Well, meanwhile, I've already started doing everything, right? I'm just not doing what you're talking about. But that doesn't <laughs> mean I'm not doing anything. I'm absolutely doing something. And I, in my opinion, was doing more than I could have done with them. Yeah. So, because I want to heal this from the, the deepest parts of where it came from, because I do not want it back. And even if it came back, I want to know exactly what to do again, right? So I have to write things down because it allows me to stay sane. If I can see it on paper, I don't have to hold it in my head. If I have a chart of it, I don't have to try to remember it. Because if I was taking uh, 28 supplements, different supplements at one time through this process. There's no way, Kenny, I would have lost my mind. <laughs> I'm trying to reduce my stress, not right. increase it. So <laughs> I have to write things down because when I can keep track of it, I don't have to think about it again. And my mind can be free to do all the other stuff it needs to mm -hmm. do, right? Some things, a chart won't help me, but what pill I took at what time, I want to write that down because I don't need to remember that. And I had a whole time chart of everything I'm going to do. Did I take, when I was doing that particular detox plan, like there were certain things you had to do at certain times, right? So I wanted to make sure that I, wrote down if I drank the, the tea or not, because in two hours, I'm not gonna remember if I drank the tea two hours ago. I gotta drink the tea four times a day. You know? So if I write, if I check mark it, cool. Now I don't have to think about it. So for me, writing, keeping a journal while you're going through this and not a journal of writing your thoughts and emotions, that helps some people. That's not beneficial for me. It's not one of the things that helps me, okay. but 
keeping a journal where I'm writing down what I've done is what helps me because then I can go back and say, oh, a month ago, I was doing this protocol and, and I, I write down how I feel, like um, not my emotions, but how my body feels doing something, the reaction I might've had or whatever. I write that down too, because I can go back and track it and compare it to present time, you know, what I'm doing, how I'm shifting, because things shifted so much and it is just so much easier. And, you know, as much as I wasn't afraid, it was a high level of stress that I was dealing with, just dealing with everything, right? So in the middle of being stressed out, Sometimes you can't remember to stop and pray. Sometimes you don't remember to stop and do an affirmation. Sometimes you don't remember to pick up. I love stones. Stones radiate at higher frequencies. Uh, I think we've been given these uh, by God, by our creator. The earth has a lot of power that we need. It's all here for us to use. So stones are part of my tools. I might not remember to grab my stones, right? Because I'm crazy. When I have it, I have it right here. Affirmation. If it's on a list, then yeah. I'm going to remember to do it. So yeah. every single thing that I absolutely want to remember to do and get in, when I write it down, it happens. When I don't write it down, it doesn't. And I just learned from seeing that process in me when I didn't write things down, the whole day would go by and I would forget to mm -hmm. drink water. Like how fundamentally important is it to just drink enough water? Right. How many of us don't even remember to do just that? Even while we're in the middle of already knowing our bodies are malfunctioning, we're dealing with some kind of dis-ease on some level, right? Sure. We still don't even do the fundamental basics. 75% of our body is made up of water. And, and then you're sweating and, and you're, do you know all the things your body uses that water for? Like, you know, when your car runs out of oil, it makes it very clear because <laughs> our bodies are intelligent. We can run out of stuff and be like, okay, well, I'll just keep going and try to make it work. <laughs> and yeah, okay. You might get through the day, but your head's going to start to hurt. Sure. Your stomach's going to start to hurt. There are little things that we can do to help ourselves that are really the big things. Water is one of them. So for those of us who, like me, I didn't remember to drink the water all the time I needed to, I make eight circles on my page a day. And every time I drink eight ounces of water, I mark a circle off because I need eight, eight ounces of water minimum. Yeah. And so when I started doing that, I started recognizing that, oh, I need checks and balances, yeah. right? I need to have something that I go to every 45 minutes and go, what am I supposed to do right now? It's like a schedule at work. You know, we, we are used to following other people's schedules. And for me, implementing all those good qualities of being a good worker for someone else that I had, implementing those in my own life and starting to follow those same things. They're in place for a reason at work. It's because that's how you keep people on track. Well, I needed to keep myself on track and I needed to work at least as hard for myself as I've worked for all these companies I've worked for my whole life because I am as important as them. Absolutely. I think sometimes we're fundamentally dealing with low self-esteem that goes further than we think, where we don't value ourselves um, as much as we value others and other things. And when we start to shift that and you start to put things in place, like treat yourself the way that you're treating the people you love, because if you don't, what does that say about how much you love yourself? Mm -hmm. I am going to prioritize myself because I can't do any of the other stuff I want to do if I don't do that. If I'm not here, I can't love on my baby, yeah. on any of my babies, <laughs> right? So I have to, I don't know, it was a whole kind of 180 of a shift in my mind. Um, I took such good care of my grandmother those last two years of her life, mm. you know, and I knew it was in me to take good care of myself because I'd done it for someone else. Yeah. And so I really just needed to, 
see myself as I saw her and know that I was so worth it and that I could do it and that I was the only one that would. And so if not me, nobody. Staying organized is really important for me because as you're going through this, you, you know, however many doctors you need to see, whoever you choose to depend on for your information, whatever, they're going to ask you questions. Sure. They're going to say, oh, well, what's your diagnosis? Oh, well, wh- what medicines are you on? Oh, well, and when I was taking care of my grandmother and she had her health issue, which had more to do with her heart, I created a whole folder for her. One of those, you know, with the, with the dividers in it and I had everything labeled and I had her medicine. So we'd go to one of her doctors and they'd say, well, what medicines are you on? And I'd be like, here you go. And I'd have yeah. a whole paper. This is what she's taking. This is how much she's taking. This is how often she takes it. Exactly. It just makes your life easier. I didn't have to sit and go, oh, wait, uh, is she on the low statin of the smart? Uh, what the heck is it called? You know, like how, 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 how much quicker did that um, appointment go because you did that? Uh, I mean, <laughs> Not quicker, yes, it was probably half the time it would have been, but it was less stressful. I was able to just say, Here you go, doctor, you know, as opposed to in my head being like, Ah, I can't remember. All the stress we create for ourselves, ourselves can be managed. Like being organized opens the door to peace because you've eliminated all these things that cause you stress. And I even say that as I'm looking around this room I'm in, it, that is a mess because <laughs> I have so I'm like, are you talking about somebody being part of that? Are you really talking about? But I have an area for sewing and I have an area for my workout equipment. So there's a lot of stuff in this room, but all of it's organized. The sewing area, the drawers are labeled and all the things are where they go. There might be a lot of stuff, but I know exactly where everything is. And so organized doesn't mean neat necessarily, but it does mean you you can see where everything's at. This is my, I put all my breast con- cancer docs together in awesome. one folder because I knew I was going to have to pull things out and show them to people. I also have, so this is funny. I found mistletoe. I was going to do this whole mistletoe thing before I got testing. And the testing showed me that mistletoe had no effect in my body. Mm. And so the testing for me was, first and final, but let me, let me see the one thing at a time. I'm showing you these books. So I have, I'm on my fourth one. These are the three I've gone through and they are, listen, this one is broken and beaten up because I'm, I'm hard on my books, but not, not journals. My, I just want to make sure not journals. Yeah. These are, these are organizers. Yeah. Well, they are journals that I've turned into organizers. Okay. There we go. So I pick protocol daily. I bought these at like Costco, you know, I bought a three pack cause I know I go through a lot of them, but when I was doing this one protocol, I needed to know exactly what I took, exactly what time, how much water I drank, even how much I went to the bathroom. Bowel movements are very important. There's a lot of stuff that we, I don't know, in our society, we get weird about, oh, you talk about poop. You better be able to talk about poop. Your poop is important, you know? And my son, he's just 10. He knows how to look at his poop and say, oh, this might be, I might need more fiber. It's not flow, you know, you need to, this is your body. You need to know about it. Don't let anything gross you out because it could save your life. Absolutely. Uh, so anyway, all of these like supplements, I would put how many I needed to do. And then I took them, I would mark them off. Like just keeping track of everything sure. was so important, especially the way that I was choosing to handle it. Sure. Um, you know, but Ananda, I think it's important in general. You know, Ananda, and you touched on something that, you know, is one of the reasons why I became a a cancer coach or wellness coach or whatnot, because, you know, a lot of times it gets overwhelming. 
with yes. all of the information that you have to have when you're going on these visits and that you're yeah. trying to remember. But when you have someone, uh, again, I, as part of the team, right, it's your, it's your coach, they can help all of that have all those things prepared. And as you talked about, it cuts the time in half at an appointment and it reduces the main thing, right? It reduces the stress. Yes. And when you have someone who can facilitate, you know, on your team, exactly what you're thinking and making sure you're on the same page because you guys are in constant communication with each other. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. So that, yeah. so I, I, I say that to people, it's new, it's new in the community. I would say within the last few years, but if, if you are in need, a cancer coach, um, I would, I would look into that for anyone that's listening to this. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah. So I love that. And then there were days where I wasn't as organized, where I just like, let me just write it down. Let me just jot it down, right? So it doesn't have to look all, like I take a, a ruler and make grids and I get real anal with it all, on the days that I can. Yeah. But the days that I can't, I just write it down mm -hmm. so that I can go back and go, what did I have? What did I do? Did I have enough water? I like the idea of a cancer coach. That sounds amazing. So would that, would that be somebody who, why I don't know it's hard to say if anybody can physically go with you anywhere now with the COVID but obviously you would do video conferencing with them and be able to talk to them and are they typically people who have gone through cancer themselves? You know a lot of coaches are, are people who've gone through cancer or myself you know of someone who's been in here for you know 20 plus years mm -hmm. you know, and, and knowing how to interact with that physician and then coming up with a plan for yourself right because yeah. everyone is different and so as you create that plan then it, it helps Again, it's a facilitation of it because that was going to be my next question to you is to be like, you know, Ananda Lewis, before she was diagnosed, how is the Ananda Lewis today? <laughs> I mean, I feel like the same person, but mm -hmm. uh, I definitely have evolved. I've definitely been kind of put through the fire and tested a bit. I feel more confident these yeah. days. I feel like um, I know what I know. Mm -hmm. uh, and I feel like much more aware of my power. Because for me, before I could talk about my power, I was aware of it, right? Like an awareness that it existed. But now I've pulled it out, I've used it, I've sharpened it, I've uh, increased it, and I've commanded my life with it and change things yeah. and move things. And so now I'm not just aware of it, I'm invested in it and, and I'm, I'm a believer in it. You know, it's like, I fully uh, am aware of my ability to make things change in my life. Awesome. And for me, it's no matter what it is. And I, I, I've never been fearful, but I have less stress now because I do feel like like the women in my family have always done, you know, like whatever comes up, I'm gonna be able to figure out a way to manage that and handle that. Like for real, not just saying it, I've done it. So now I know I can do it. For it's sure. one more thing I know I can do. And I think I have a confidence now that I definitely didn't have before. Mm -hmm. um, and I just have a, a gratitude now that I was, I've always been grateful, but it's a different level of grateful when, when you have experienced <laughs> this and when you have experienced all this stuff I have I mean even down to I was when I was in Arizona um, I had this literally near fatal car wreck and 
I had, you know, my port was in and I'm driving home from a day of treatment and this guy pulls out across there with these long, these wide roads. It weren't highways because they were just regular streets with like four lanes wide, right? And he comes out from the, the side, I'm going straight and he comes out and he's making a left to go the other way, but he comes out and stops right in front of me. I think he missed that there was a lane he could have gone into and he, he I don't know what he thought. All I know is he pulled out. I saw him slow motion. I was like, oh my gosh, is this guy going to stop? Like, why is he turning? Because there were cars coming. Like, why would you pull out? And then he just stopped right in front of me. Oh. And I don't even, I don't even know. Like, for me, these are the things in life that make me believe and know for sure that God is real. There is a parallel universe. Like, there are there are beings that can help us. There are angels. There is something. There's something, you know. Yeah. Because there's no way I survive this. There's no way. And I drive a big truck. I drive a, 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 a kind of a, what do you call it? A little monster truck, right? It's a big tires. I have a lift kit. I like my little monster trucks. I like to drive a little tank. And that's what I'm in. And this guy was a person. I don't know if it was a guy or not. was in a really short kind of like a Honda, like a small car. I would have torn. That car would have been obliterated. Yeah. And he was literally stopped in front of me. And I, you know how, I don't know if you've had experiences like that, but everything slows down from the minute I saw him coming out. My mind was like, well, this is not, this is not what should be happening. There's about, you know, he's coming right in front of me. Everything went really slow and I'm going, the speed limit was like 45, 50. It was a fast street and I'm just coming at him. And I heard myself go, no, as I'm putting my brakes on, everything is moving like sloth slow. And I just pulled the wheel a little and started coming around him. I missed him by like that much, which with cars is that much. You know what I mean? Like it felt like, eh. I came up on two tires. My truck went up. I came up on the side and was boop, 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 like bump, like skidding. And then boom, came back down yeah. on the road and God, there was nobody to my right. This was a busy street. There was nobody to my right. When I went over, I crossed two lanes trying to avoid him wow. and could have easily just smashed, you know, if there was anybody there, then that would have been a whole nother accident. <sighs> and at the same time, he inched slowly, like he moved just enough that we just, <sighs> and when everything, you know, I bounced back down the car and I was, I slowed, you just, everything stops kind of. And I slowed a bit and my the cars were behind me. So I had to speed back up and the people who passed me I kind of looked still slow motion they were like <gasps> like they couldn't <laughs> believe what they just thought must have looked crazy from behind us and I, there was nowhere to pull over because there was no shoulder or anything so I just kept going and I got to the Airbnb I was staying in it got in the garage and I just broke down crying and it wasn't a, a cry like oh my god what just happened it was a gratitude cry it was like praise and worship in church when you broke and we break into tears it was like thank you oh my god like i can't believe i survived that thank you i thank you. i just started you know praying and being grateful and those kind of things to me i know i'm not alone in this even when I feel like there might not be people right here next to me that I can reach out and touch and give me support. I'm never alone. I'm never alone. And I know that for sure, for sure, question. for sure. What a great and question. so that also guides me, you know, that also helps me. That also keeps me. And I know this life isn't where it ends. When my spirit is out of this body, I'm going to go on and do something else. And I might be done with this physical vessel, but I am not the physical vessel. 
I am the light that animates the physical vessel and I will go on. And yeah, I will miss this life, but I'm gonna be off to something else, right? <laughs> and so the fear of like, oh, it's gonna end. I'm not fearful of, of, of things that are inevitable. We're all gonna die. These bodies don't last forever. Some people get, you know, 80s, 100s, great. Most people don't. Yeah. And, and we see people, you know, whose lives are ending out of nowhere all the time. We also see people who have these uh, gifts of being able to see it coming, you know, because sometimes that can be a gift too, where you have an opportunity to say goodbye. You have an opportunity to close things out. But the bottom line is the day will come that you're not here. The day will come that you're out of this body. And what we have control over is what we do while we're in it. Yeah. And that's it. Because you're nothing you do while you're in it is going to uh, make it last forever. You can't do anything about that. Right. What you can do is do your best while you're in it. Love as hard as you can. Go for what works for you. And that's it. I love it. You know, I mean, nothing lasts forever. So I just feel like I'm going to live the life I want to live. And I definitely think that's a big difference with who I was before and who I am now. I feel capable, able, kind of fearless a little bit. And, um, <laughs> You know, like what? I feel like what? 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 You know. So all the fear, like I feel like for me, when I, when I think like that, or I should say, because I think like that, yeah. all the other stuff that I see getting in the way for people when they deal with something like this hasn't gotten in the way for me because I feel like I've gotten more like, oh my gosh. So if it's going to end, let me go hard. Let me like really do it. You know yes. what I mean? And, and because when you're really doing it and going hard, you're, you're extending your life, right? Your happiness matters. It does. And I got real happy through this whole process, which is a weird irony because most people get really sad through this process, but I had much more sadness before in my life than I have had in the last two years. I've had more joy in the last two years and been more in control of my joy in the last two years than ever. It's like, oh man, I wish I knew I could live like this, <laughs> you know, because ah, I went through a lot of, uh, I don't know, just trauma in my life and had a hard time coming through it. And then meeting this kind of face-to-face -face and going, what, you know, oh, you're, you're coming for me. No, you're not <laughs> feeling like really able to push back on it has freed me in, in some very interesting ways. So. So liberating. Yeah, it's liberating. That's yeah. the right word. Thank you, Kim. It's yeah, liberating. Sure. Like, whatever. And you know, one of the things I picked up on is the way you gave to your grandma, the way you gave to her made you say, you know what? If I can give myself that same love, yeah. I'm going to be all right. You know? Yeah. And yeah. we have to do that, you know, because I think we all suffer a little bit from that, Ananda, you know, not enough self-love yeah and when you can do what you were able to to accomplish it's amazing one of, one of the questions i had you know because of your bravery because of your confidence people were asked what advice would you give someone who's fearful of doctors or the healthcare system i would say look at them as a resource okay. uh, i think we get for me when i think of why people get fearful it's usually because of the unknown right um, and then in, specifically in the case of doctors and stuff, I think we're so uh, inundated with the idea that we're supposed to put our entire faith in them. And maybe we've seen, you know, them fail people. And I, I think that's, I use bunny ears because it's not really the right 
um, description of what they do. It's not their job to save your life. It's your job to save your life. And so when you put your, your whole faith in someone and that's not even what they're there for, I could see where that would be scary because they can't do that, gotcha. right? For me, when you're able to take the reins you know, and go, I'm gonna guide this horse. Nobody's gonna do what I do, am not okay with because that's really the truth. I don't care what doctor, I don't care what food, I don't care what nutritionist. Like I said before, you have to do the work. You have to be in control of this. And I don't think we're used to being empowered in our lives. And then all of a sudden we have this life-threatening thing that happens and now you gotta be all empowered. Well, you don't have practice doing that. It's difficult. Like when have you ever had to do that? But if, you know, if, if ever there was a time to step into your greatness, <laughs> now is the time. <laughs> now is that your time. body is like, listen, I'm gonna give you an opportunity here. Yeah, I need you. Me. Yeah, I need you. And you, you gotta step up for yourself. So people who are afraid of doctors, I would say, just let them be a person. That's essentially what they are. They are a human being who went through a massive amount of, of education about very specific things. They know a lot about those things and you should listen to them, take the information they have and make decisions for yourself, incorporating that. I, that's what I did. I just decided not to do it. Yeah. So you don't have to do what they tell you, but you do have to take responsibility for whatever it is you decide to do. Because it. ultimately, you're the one who's going to live with the consequences, mm -hmm. whatever you choose. The other thing I wanted to say is sometimes people are afraid of doctors because of the news they give. <laughs> the news they give can be very scary. When I was with the oncologist that I was working with prior to, um, you know, deciding not to work with my oncologist, <laughs> I was in that meeting with him and he told me that, you know, if I didn't do anything about this, like I said a minute ago, if I didn't do anything about this, I probably had about three years to live. Mm. So for me, it's important to remember that doctors cannot tell you how long you have to live. What they are really telling you is given their expertise and what they're seeing happening in your body, based on whatever scans, tests, all the stuff, information they've gathered, this is what they assume will happen if nothing else happens, right? This is the trajectory you're on. This is the path that your body's following, right? But what you need to remember about that is that path can be cut into. The, the minute you do something different, everything changes. Yeah. That outcome they're telling you is a combination of very specific things and it's still an if, right? No one can determine what's gonna happen in your body from the outside of it. You can determine what's gonna happen in your body from the inside of it. And what happens beyond that is between you and your creator, whoever you believe that to be. Yeah. And that's it. And no matter what you do, life is going to end. So I say, don't be afraid of death. They can say, oh, you're going to die. Yeah, you're right. I am going to die, but it's not going to be today. It's like Game of Thrones. What do you say to the God of death? Not today. You can determine so much of what happens to yourself, but you have to do it. You can't sit on the couch and be doing the work. So the doc, the, this is not to say that I've never had times where I'm just like stuck. There were times where I was stuck in bed too. My stuck in bed lasted a couple of minutes or a couple of hours because for me I go I can't if I sit here and do nothing then I'm right mm. I am just going to wither away but if I get up and do something I've automatically changed things right so you have to be very clear on what causes what right and the doctors are telling you based on what they've seen this is what will probably happen it doesn't mean that's what is going to happen sure. you always as long as you're drawing breath 
have an opportunity to change things. I don't know how much you can change them. I don't know the extent of which things will turn around. That's up to you. But you can change them. And we see that being true with so many things. It's true for you too. You are the one in control of this body. And if you choose to do things differently, things will change. Absolutely. I love it. Dropping gems. Yeah, it's super important. And you know, so many of us need to hear that, Ananda. So many. So, you know, you you have been working on quite a few projects. And one of the things that popped up is that uh, Alexor. You know, talk to talk to our listeners about a little your your project that you're doing. Tell us a little bit about it. So Elixir is spelled A-L-I-X-I-R. It's uh, an app I created to have kind of like my own mini platform. I've done so much work with so many amazing networks on TV. Um, and yet I've never used my own skills, gifts, talents, whatever for myself. And When the pandemic hit and, you know, for everybody, everything shut down, work changed for me and everybody else. And I felt like um, as great as social media is, um, a lot of people are being shut down on social media. I mean, the algorithms that IG is using now are keeping people from seeing your stuff. I don't see half the stuff from people I follow anymore. YouTube will pull your video if it doesn't agree with what they once said. I knew I wanted to share my health journey. I knew my health journey was very uh, intimate and really intense at times, right? That was something that might get pulled. So I was thinking, okay, how do I share all this great stuff that I've done in my life, but in a way where I know I own it and control it. And the app ended up being the right answer for me because I knew how to do like iMovie, I'm an editor. I can do a lot of, you know, that kind of stuff and programs and and, um, video programs. And I knew that it, wasn't going to be that much more difficult to figure out the way the the app company that I was working with to figure out kind of piecing in things. And that was something that I could control. I guess, Kenny, the the truth is I'm a control freak. And so (laughs) when it comes time to doing things, I'm like, I want to do it my way because nobody's going to do it my way. You know, they're not going to do what I say. So I really wanted to have a vehicle that I controlled. And that's why I did it. I I put out um, Elixir. I, I really just put it out but it's, I don't know if you can even yeah, see that. There it is. Uh-huh. That's the front page. And then it's really just a, a collection of my life, kind of all, a lot of the stuff I'd done on TV. I have pictures and stuff in the vault, Absolutely. private pictures from the time. I'm going to be doing a podcast with my dad to go through some of the issues I have with you know him not being around in my life early. Um, closet Raid I do on, on IG already. And it's really just me going through my messy closet and having people vote on what I need to kick out. So you can't vote on the app, but those are the shows that we've already done. This yeah. one is fan mail flashback. And it's um, the mail that MTV hadn't given me when I was there. They gave it to me when I left. And so 20 years later, I still haven't opened a lot of it. And then I have um, the health subscription service uh, is the only thing on the app that costs anything. That's like six bucks a month. And it's the only way you can see like my intimate journey. But I share a lot of the health stuff completely for free on the body high too. Um, so it's really it's really me in an app. It's like all these things I that are really it. just a reflection of me. And I'll be expanding it as I go. Yeah. But um, I just wanted a place to have all my stuff all together. So if it's 20 people or 200 people want to look at it, whoever, whatever, it's really so I have a place to share, you know, and, and give information that I want people to have. Look at you just creating, just creating and, and, and just making, making yourself available. We thank you. Yeah, that's really what I thank you. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to have a creative space to be available and have it just be the people who want to hang out with me, yeah. right? 
Absolutely. Uh, and I'll also tell you that Elixir is available on all platforms, just so you know. So you can get it at the Google Play Store. You can get it at the Apple App Store. It's available everywhere right now. It's totally free. Download it. And it'll ask you, uh, did you mean to spell it E-L-I-X-I-R? You just say, no, I meant what I said. <laughs> A-L-I-X-I-R. So, you know, love it. And for those that are listening, go out, download, get the new app, Ananda Lewis. And so we, yeah. we thank you for we thank you for being vulnerable a little bit on the show, uh, sharing your journey with us. One of the things that has happens in this is when they people get diagnosed, they close up. Mm. They don't want to say anything, and we've yeah. seen that. We've seen that with you know uh, some of our celebrity stars that passed away recently. Um, no one knew. No one knew what he was going through, and yeah. how much more empowering would it be for if you spoke out on that and how many other people could you give that courage to and empower them so yeah. i thank you for being vulnerable uh, and sharing your journey with us and 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 helping the next person who may be going through something like this hope they can take some gems and and get a, a jump start yeah Thank you. Thank you, Kenny. This has been really, really good. And I love sharing what I know because that's how I got here. People shared how they, what they knew. Like when you do research, somebody's put that research there for you to find. So sharing information is how we help each other, you know, Absolutely. and um, reminding each other that in the end, it's all going to be okay. <laughs> you know, might be scary right now, but right now is just a moment and everything changes. So I say, uh, position yourself where you, where you want to be as your life changes and, and then ride that really hard, like choose it and ride it out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Here on All Talk Oncology, we love you for bringing, it, bringing in your story. And uh, you are not alone in this. You know, you're in this, we're in this together. So again, I want to give a special thanks to Ananda Lewis for joining us here on All Talk Oncology. It was such a pleasure having her on the show today. And she dropped some amazing gems for us. One of the things she talked about was being an advocate for yourself and getting your mammograms done, right? Taking responsibility. Do not wait. Do not hesitate. Get your mammograms Get, uh, make sure that you're doing self-examinations in the shower and making sure that you are doing the self-assessment on yourself so that you can have early detection if there is anything going on. And so what she also mentioned was that we have the choice and early detection is vital for survival, right? So I hope you took that, took notice of that and walked away with it. Another gem that she discussed was about nutrition and supplementation. Learning that what we put into our bodies are vital to how our treatments and the outcome of that's going to be in healing yourself. For her, understanding how important nutrition was, she had a schedule. I don't know if you've seen that. She pulled her book up and she showed you she was eating and drinking certain things at certain times. She marked out how much water she was drinking. And that's because life can get busy. Things are overwhelming when you get diagnosed with cancer and you're trying to remember everything. It's stressful. So for her, writing it down, journaling what she did for that day uh, in times, 
that she took and did her assignments or followed her regimen was super important. And so I hope you picked up on that too, because you don't want to be stressed. You want to make sure that you are putting down the information that you need and, and following that, and following that criteria. So again, amazing, amazing gems that she was dropping on us today. Ananda, Ananda, I tell you, she had so many. Another gem that she gave us, she said, use the physician because for what they're there for, they're a resource in how you view them. And her thought and her mindset on that, she said that, you know, they went to school for so many years to learn this profession and to know about the, uh, the different cancers that, uh, that are out there. Use them, take that information and work with it. Because at the end of the day, she said, you have to do the work. So taking that information, using it as a resource, and then making sure that you make an informed decision based upon the knowledge that they've given you. Another thing she brought out is uh, her level of gratitude. And she went and she was happy about certain things in her life, but she said that her joy and her happiness, it completely changed after she was diagnosed with cancer, the way she looked at things. And you hear that so often, but I, and I hope that that's something that you can take away and look at things life and look at life differently, you know, as far as what to be grateful for. There's so much around us that we can be happy for. And Ananda gave us that information. She said that, you know, her happiness and her joy and the way she looked at things were just changed in her. And she's much happier now than she has ever been. And sometimes you look at what uh, cancer is, it's this horrible disease and it's coming for you. But if you can look at different ways to be grateful, different things that make you happy and, and be appreciative of those things, the joy and happiness in your life. And sometimes it's just the simple things, right? That can change all of that. So I hope you took that away too. Great gems today. So again, I want to thank Ananda Lewis for joining us here on All Talk Oncology. And again, it was amazing having her on the show. So many gems, an amazing interview. And I hope you can always go back and reference this. And it's, that's what it's there for, is to empower you through your cancer journey. So again, I want to thank everyone who tuned in today. Here's where you will find up-to-date cancer discussions with industry experts and leading professionals that can help you in your cancer fight. You are not alone in this. We are in this together. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. And until again, I'm out.